Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Hasn't it? Are you still smiling? Ah. Soul detox, one month. How many of you feel like you know you kind of um, you know cut open there? Um, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting place to be. But you know what? It's the most beautiful place to be. You know, it might you might see some ugliness within yourself and with others right now, but there is no better place to be than in a place of brokenness before God. Because when you admit you're broken, He can fix you. It's when you don't see your own brokenness and when you don't admit it to God that His hands are tied because He's given us a free will. But when we say over a month, God, look at my heart like David. Look at my heart and see if there be any unclean thing in me and lead me in the paths of righteousness. When we say something like that to God, His heart beats so strong from heaven. His eyes are upon us. His thoughts are with us. He's brimming over with love and respect and pride for his kids that would be gutsy enough and willing enough to say, God, look at my heart. And he loves that. He just loves it. So this is the culmination of a month tonight. I get to wrap you up. (laughs) I get to clean you up. Isn't it nice? My dad used to take me fishing when I was a young child, and I loved fishing. I had an unusual way of fishing because I would just do it prophetically, and this is a true story. Even as a child, I had that prophetic sense, and I would just know when a fish was swimming by, and I would just go, and I would catch them by their tails, by their fins, you know, (laughs) and I would just pull them up, Jack, going, how do you do that, you know? It's so uncanny. I never caught one by the mouth. I always catch them like, you know, because I would just go, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, just working on those senses, you know, just I'd catch them and pull them up. But my dad always said, you can't come fishing with me and, unless you know how to gut a fish. Because if you want to eat it, you've got to gut it. And so there as a child, he would give me the knife and I'd be like, you know, doing that and cutting the, the belly open of the fish and then you've got to get your fingers in and pull all the guts out. And, and then it's like, and then you've got to hose it all out. By the time you do that, you don't want to eat the thing, I tell you, you just want to chuck it back. It's just like, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, but many people like to catch fish, not many people like to gut them. And you know what? I actually do enjoy 
the work of the Holy Spirit when he, when he gets, you know, we're fishers of men, is that right? And when we catch fish, and even if we catch them in unusual manners, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and the Holy Spirit wants to get inside and the Holy Spirit wants to prepare them for holy use. And I just, I just think it's so precious, even though it makes you heave sometimes and, and the thought of it and the smell of it and the look of it, it's not so nice. But at the end of the day, you know, it's prepared as a feast for the master. And I think it's so beautiful. This scripture here in Matthew 16, 26 to 27, Jesus said this, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, when Jesus was talking about, in in this scripture, he was talking about the fact that he thought a lot about the soul. He was saying that he was actually saying that the soul is so precious. The soul of a human being is so precious that you, if you had all the riches of the world, you would, not, you would, never, you would never compare to the richness of a human soul. When the Father gets a hold of it, when the Father gets a hold of a human soul. We've talked a lot this month about the yucky things, the guts of the soul. We've talked a lot about the, de- the detoxing and the toxins that we carry in our soul. We've, we've talked about unforgiveness and bitterness and we've talked about uh, materialism and greed and all these things. And, and you know, we've looked and we went, yuck. You know, I just want to throw this soul back. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but what we have to understand is, we have to understand that Jesus is actually the lover of our soul. That our soul in its original state, our soul when it's been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, is actually a beautiful thing in the hands of a master. In the hands of the master that can present this soul to a hurting and a dying world. When the, when the father can take a soul that has gone through the processes of detoxing, of, of repentance, of cleansing, of giving everything in surrender to him. When the father gets a hold of a soul that is willing for this to happen, then he says, I can make everything beautiful in its time. I can, I can get a human soul and I can forge my nature and my character into the depths of those, that mind, that will, those emotions. Those emotions can carry my emotions, not just the pollutant emotions that have been put on them by circumstances, by upbringings, by the world, by the people around them, by their own thought patterns. But I can take the emotions within a human being and I can move them 
to love the way that I love. I can move them to cry over what I cry over, to hate what I hate, to love what I love. I can take these emotions and cause them to feel the pain of humanity. I can take these emotions and I can speak into them and let them feel what I feel. I can take these emotions and let them cry with those who cry and let them rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I can take these emotions and make them work the way they were supposed to originally work for me. Because you were made in my image. Your soul, your soul isn't just a, a piece of you that you need to cleanse and discard and, and put away from you as if it's some dirty part of your being, some unseen part of your being that you just need to cover up and not show anybody else because it's unclean and unfit for holy use. But I want to tell you this, when God gets a hold of a human soul, when God gets a hold, not a perfect soul, because I tell you this, <laughs> It's funny, I was speaking to a beautiful Christian woman the other day who is a Baptist, was a Baptist minister for many years, is retired now, and I often go to her and just talk to her, you know, ask counsel from her. She's amazing. And, um, and she goes, Julie, you know, don't fret over people so much. You know, you never, you're never going to see perfection in people. In fact, there's only one way you'll see a perfect Christian shoot them. I went, oh, that's funny coming from an old Baptist lady. but Because what she was saying is the only way you're going to be perfect is if you're glorified right now. As long as you're in this human body, we have to contend with this soul. And we have to war over this soul. And we have to make this soul obedient to Jesus Christ. What about this mind? You know, the mind. Our soul is out. Our mind, our emotions, and our will. What about our minds? What if God could detox our minds from all the things that we've been talking about, from our toxic thoughts, from our negativity, from our criticism, from our unbelief, from our, from our um, dissatisfaction with ourselves, from criticizing even ourselves and criticizing others, from just being negative, negative, negative. Imagine if God could get a hold of a mind that he could pour his spirit into that mind and just keep pouring his spirit until the toxins are removed from that mind and then he could get a hold of that mind and he could begin to put his precepts into that mind. He could begin to put his words into that mind. He could begin to give creative ideas to that mind. He could, he could create inventors. He could bring inventors. He could, he, could, he could give you the mind that is like Christ. He could put the Word of God in your mind so it, it, it lives and breathes in everything that you think and everything that you are. He could give you this mind. He could give you a mind of a scholar when you're not even, you know, you can't even add up. He could give you a mind that could think clearly when you've been confused your whole life. He could give you a mind that is healed and restored even when you've been diagnosed with mental illness. God can do it. God is in the restoration process 
is in the restoration process. You are a human soul in process. You're on a journey, and it is not just a yucky journey. It's not just like, oh, I've got to gut that fish again. This is a beautiful journey because with every laying down of something, there is a rising up of something else on the inside of you. Amen. God will never take something from you without first showing you what he wants to give you in return for that. And it's always a zillion times better. It's always more beautiful. It's always more wonderful. It's always incredible. What about that will? Just imagine if like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, we could have our will so purified, we could have our will so redeemed, so sanctified and so restored that at every garden encounter that we have, when we're wrestling, when the devil's mocking us, when the world's telling us to do this and to do that, but we're in that garden and we're sweating over it and we're trying to make a choice and we want to choose God, but this looks so great and we want to choose God, but the devil's telling us we'll never be good enough for God and we want to choose God, but our own will is so weak and then we get before him and we say, oh Father, if it be possible, take this choice away from me. And God says to you, that is the best gift that I have ever given you, is free will. Because you're not a robot. You're not programmed. You're, you're not, you're, you're not, you don't do things because you have to do them. You're not, you, you know, you're not working to please me. I have given you a free will so that you might choose me. And you might choose right from wrong, no matter even if you're sweating. You have not sweat blood yet. Jesus sweat blood for you. It was so extreme what he had to take on for you. And it's actually a physical condition that you can be so full of stress and anxiety in your body and turmoil that you can actually sweat blood. It's actually a physical condition. He actually sweat blood for you. No one in this room has sweat blood yet over decisions. Have you? Because why? Because one went before us who sweat the blood for us. There was one who was in a garden who the the temptation of sin, every sin that's ever been known to mankind, he was tempted with. And yet in that garden, he just didn't choose for himself. But he saw your face and he saw my face and he saw every face On the face of the earth, from the beginning of time to the end of time, he saw every face. And he made a choice with you in mind, with your face in front of his face, in that garden, down on his knees, sweating blood. If it be possible, God, let this cup pass from me. Don't give me this choice. Can can you get someone else? 
You know, he was a man just like us. He was all human right at that moment. Amen. He was all human right at that moment. And then he looks up at God and he says, but not my will, but yours, but yours be done. Imagine if God could get a hold of a a human will and move it to choose. Imagine if he could say to you, choose this day life. Choose life. Choose life. I have given you life. Why would you choose death? And he must cry over it. He must weep for you. He must plead. It says in the Bible that he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints. And I know that sounds all very spiritual, interceding for the saints. Let's bring it down to, you know, layman's terms. That he sits at the right hand of the Father, crying and pleading for you, that you would choose life. He brings your name before the very throne of God and cries out to his Father. Oh, God, he's interceding for you. He's sending angels back and forth from the earth. He's commanding his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways as you choose wrong ways. And he knows that the enemy would like to wipe you out, but he puts angels around you and just keeps you protected until you can make the right choice. Please make the right choice. What could he do if he just had a people that admit that they're not perfect, but say to him, if I give you my heart, if I, if I truly give you this soul, if I truly give you the innermost part of my being, God, could you make something beautiful out of me? And he just smiles. Because he goes, you have no idea. You have, you have no, eye has not seen, ear has not heard nor has it even entered into the imagination of man what I have in store for those who love me. Wow. I don't even know what I'm preaching, but I'm not preaching this, but that's good. better than that. <laughs> Just looking and going, oh, they funny words. You know, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And then it says, this incredible thing. He restores my soul. He, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For why? For what? For His name's sake. 
for his name's sake. You know, there was last night, there was probably about, I would say, between 50 and 60% at the Nairobi launch last night who were unchurched people here in this building. Totally unchurched. And when we started to inquire about who are all these people and talk to them and go around and talk to them, we realized that they were all there, the majority of them were there because they had come into contact with Jamie at work. Jamie works in a childcare center. She's been there five years. And there were, there were grandmothers, mothers, and great-grandmothers, and grandfathers, great-grandfathers, and fathers that were here last night because they said, I don't know what it is about this girl, but she is so special. She, she has a love like we have never seen before. She loves our children like nothing we have ever seen before. And whatever she's doing, we want to support it, even if we don't understand the church thing, because we know that this is a good soul. He restores my soul for his name's sake. Jesus is glorified on the earth. People are brought to the church and to him, not by our fancy words, not by our great church, not by our pious religion and our rules and our regulations, not even by our bright lights or our great music, not even by the way we dress, act, and talk. People are attracted to a soul that has been purified and cleansed in the crucibles of the fire of God. And they're attracted to the character of Jesus that they now see being portrayed through that soul. I could tell you things Jamie went through seven years ago that would make your hair stand on end, that would make any young woman just want to give up, that would make her so afraid about going into a strange country like Africa. But because she, in the crucible of suffering, in the crucible of her most, in the most intense suffering on that child, even to one night, you know, night spent in ICU, wondering if she's going to live or die. She consecrated herself before God and said, God, whatever, whatever it takes, get me up off this bed, whatever it takes, I do anything, I'll do anything, I'll do anything for you, you know that. And she lost the fear of death. God dealt with the fear of death deep inside of her where she's able to walk into a country where she's going to face it every day and she's not afraid. Because why? Because there is, there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out 
all fear. And what has most fear got to do with? Most fear has got to do with the fear of punishment. If I, if I show myself to God, if I, if I reveal my heart to God, then I deserve to be punished. And I don't want to show God this because then I have a fear that is going to punish me. That's what that scripture is talking about when it says, perfect love casts out all fear. Because there is no fear of punishment in perfect love. That we can come before the one who knows us anyway. And we can bring our heart and our soul. We can bring the the undesirable parts of our inner being before him. And he sends his Holy Spirit to stir our conscience and he sends his Holy Spirit to reach inside of a heart that says, here I am, God, whatever you want. And the Holy Spirit comes and reaches those beautiful spiritual hands inside of us, does surgery on our hearts, on our souls, on our minds, on our will. And he, and he takes the things that Jesus has paid the price for by his blood. And the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our sin from us. And then he breathes on us. Like Charlie said, the power now. And in that void, in that place where there now feels like there's a hole where even our yucky stuff gets comfortable to us. Now there feels like there's a hole in me that that used to make me feel like, you know, that's who I was. But then the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit breathes on us with a holy kiss and fills the void and fills our soul. He restores my soul for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. You know what happens when, 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 you know, when when we're like David and we bring this, this psalm I love this psalm, Psalm 103 and verse 1. When we bring our souls before God, we can like sing with the psalmist and say, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inner, inmost being, praise His holy name. You know, there was another translation of that many years in the old version of the Living Bible, which is now the New Living Bible, and they changed this, but I'm really upset with them because I loved this translation. But I memorized it. In Psalm 103, this is how they wrote it. May every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. Praise the Lord on my soul. 
and all my innermost being. May every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. Do you know what happens when God can get a hold of a human being that is willing to go the whole way through salvation, through sanctification, through redemption, through sanctification, to holiness? This is what he does. He then begins to raise up inside of us royalty. He then crowns our soul with royalty. See, your soul isn't to be discarded. It's to be cleansed and restored and then crowned. Jesus, you know, he said that he crowned creation. Crowned with royalty. Let me prove it to you. In Peter, it says this, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Do you know that your very presence, as you declare, as you allow God to fill you and crown your soul with holiness, that, that you would be crowned with royalty, that you would actually walk into a room and the atmosphere of that place should change. If someone, if listen, if the Queen of England right now walked into this room, do you think that we would act differently? Do you think that there would be a different atmosphere that would come into this room if real royalty really walked in here? See, Satan doesn't want you to have the revelation that you are royalty. He doesn't want you to have the revelation that you are made in the image of God. He doesn't want you to have the revelation that if you give him your rubbish, he'll give you a crown. And that you'll be a holy priesthood, a royal nation, a chosen possession of God. That you would walk into a room and it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord at the very presence of Christ within you. Do you think the enemy wants you to know that? Or do you think he wants you to keep you in your pig swallow with the flies buzzing around your head and, and, and just keep you eating that old pig's corn? Do you think that he really wants you to know that if you picked yourself up and said, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than being a pig pen, that if you picked yourself up and said, I'm going to face the music and I'm going to run back to my father's house and I'm going to show myself to my father in the state that I am in right now. And does he want you to know the devil that the father would be waiting for you with open arms? Does he want you to know that your father would never reject you, that he would never judge you, that he would never punish you? Because the punishment has been paid by his only son. 
Does he want you to know that when he saw you coming, that he would prepare the fatted calf and a feast for you? Does he want you to know that he would put a robe of righteousness around your shoulders, that he would put shoes on your feet to declare you are no longer a slave to sin, and that he would put a ring on your finger that declares that you can do business in the Father's name? Do you think that he wants you to know that you would have all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me? Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations. Do you think that he wants you to know that you would have power? Do you know what you need? we need to do right now? I want you to close your eyes right now as the music team comes. And I'm going to ask God to show you in perspective the size of your sin and your mess in comparison to the size of the arms of the Father that are open wide for you. Because I believe the enemy tricks us in our minds to let us say, this is too big. This is too messy. This is too yucky. God, you might as well just chuck me back in because you just you're never gonna be able to fix me. But right now I'm gonna ask for a supernatural visitation in your mind by God. And I'm gonna ask him that he would show you your sin. He would show you your own soul. And the, and the filth that you think your soul is and that he would show you how big he is in comparison. Right now, Jesus, show them. Bring it into perspective, Lord, in their minds right now. And the devils that you think are against you that seem like great big shadows in the night, Lord, bring it into perspective right now. Show them the enemy that's against them in relation to you. The other day I was spending time with the Lord and I said to him, Lord, it seems as if my problems are rather large right now, so much so that I feel like I can't come into the garden with you. I feel like I'm weighed down by so much stuff that I can't come into the garden and meet with you because all this stuff's going to follow me in. And the Lord said, leave it outside and just come in here with me just as you are. And I walked in and the, the garden was so barren where I walked. You know you walk with God in the garden in Genesis and He calls you to walk with Him again now. And he has a garden prepared for you in the spirit realm where he calls you in. And I thought of all my problems. And he said, Julie, ask me how big I am in comparison to your problems, in comparison to your moods, in comparison to your emotions, in comparison to you know, whatever you're going through right now. And then I saw him standing in the garden. He began to get bigger and bigger and bigger. His glory began to rise up, rise up, rise up. I thought, oh, that's very big, Lord. And he said, I don't know, I haven't finished yet. I haven't finished yet. 
And he just kept getting bigger and bigger. He went up through the earth's atmosphere and he went up into the universe, up and up and up, and he was bigger than the whole universe. The Bible says that his, that his thumb and finger expand the universe, so that's pretty big. And he went up and up and up and up and up, and then he smiled down at me like this, and he said, now look at your problems. And it was like I couldn't even see them. It was like this tiny speck, like an ant. And I just went, oh, God. And he said, get the perspective right, Julie. Your father has open arms waiting for you to come to him and release all that's inside of you. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.